Hi, hello. Thank you for joining us for Married at First Sight, Season 16, Episode 13. We are finally seeing more of the couples, but at the same time, things are a little bit stagnant still with the couples you would expect it to be. Remember when they previewed that Shaq and Kirsten had consummated the marriage? Yes. You notice how that didn't even show up this episode? No, it's not even going to be. You assumed it was going to be the following episode. Or it's the next like full group hangout when Nicole like interrogates everyone. Maybe then. This is truly fascinating. Where there is another episode, I feel there is no advancement in these relationships. Maybe a step or two back in a specific one. I can't wait to get into this. I know. I Okay. It's so good. I talk so much crap about mostly Kirsten, but honestly, what brings me back every week? Kirsten. <laughs> she is the only person that I'm like, always have hot takes on. And I don't like dislike her, so it's never like bad hot takes, but she's the most exciting. Her and Shaq, that's like the most exciting couple this season. Less exciting, but very solid. Chris and Nicole, should we start there? Let's do it. When they're hanging out in the deli, did you get that feeling that the table and chairs are never actually there? Like they threw it in a grocery aisle? Even if the deli had like a small restaurant thing, there must have been more than one table. Just the one. You had to to get there early. Hey, shout out out to the market. It was like a market deli thing, right? Shout out to them because they awkwardly placed two of their market bags for advertising. No, I appreciate it. Good for them. Shout out to them. And they even did like a like a zoom pan yeah. on the bag. Just, you know, obviously you got to advertise to these people. They're giving up their location for filming, which they probably have to either close off or sort of at least close off that area of filming of your business, uh, which is cool. But it just seemed awkward. And in some couples, they don't even get a, a business. They just get a park. Talking about locations, we'll get to the paint store because we could have done so much more with the story. I feel like we got, they said, oh, where did you work with your dad? Okay, got the perfect location. Like we could have done, done so much more. Save it though. Oh, okay. I was ready, getting ready to pop off. <laughs> no, okay, I'll, I'll, save it. I'll save it. Nicole talks about the significance of the deli, good times or bad times. It was always, hey, let's go hang out at the deli. She talks about when she was growing up that she always needed attention. And when she was 13, she went to a new school and she was kind of trying to figure out how not to be as much of a kid anymore. During this, her parents didn't really set any rules, but she does say that she wished that that they did. She kind of lied a lot. She went out a lot and she did feel ashamed about what she was doing. Chris says that this reminds him of his exes. And that's not what he would want in his life. Apparently, any negative trait ever is going to remind Chris of his exes. I know. And that's okay. Hear me out. This is up there, if not worse than him, the thick, thick gate. It's kind of bad. Why do I feel like half of what Chris mentions is about his exes? Yes, I I mean, every episode we get an example of, oh, Nicole's so much better than an ex or this was an awful thing that happened to me with an ex or... For for better or worse, he really needs to stop comparing Nicole to previous relationships. Or every experience that he has with Nicole. You know what's odd though? They they both kind of do it in a way. What's interesting is that 
in some way they both do that. But I think at this point, Nicole much less than Chris. Sort of. But the thing that she's always doing is kind of not necessarily comparing, but... What was it the last two episodes where he said like, oh, that can get annoying when that happens? What, is it when she starts to kind of like spiral a little bit? Just sort of has a um, maybe a negative attitude about things. Yeah. And so he's saying that about her cork. She could easily say this about the exes. Now, they're always having really serious conversations about the past, the future, the present, uh, the feeling of anxiety, waiting for the shoe to drop, everything like that. Nicole does talk about this episode that she doesn't want anything to come out after decision day that would make Chris regret saying yes. I get the feeling, but week after week, not really seeing them have fun, but I feel like they're so solid anyway. No, I think it's almost like if the show didn't highlight these moments, it's just a blossoming relationship. Things are going well. I think overall they're going to be a great couple, and I think they're both going to be an easy yes on decision day. Now, wouldn't it be wild if someone says no? That, oh, would, be, that would be heartbreaking. The other person, people would lose I cannot their shit. imagine. We would lose our shit. You're forever on my crap list of like <laughs> maths people that I no longer talk about. Because <laughs> they got us. Yeah. They got us good. Oh, like watching relationships blossom is so sweet and wholesome. I feel very invested in these people, even sometimes I shouldn't be. So I thought it was very strange that Chris, one, did not read his own letter, and two, it was a very rushed scene in a car. Like, again, we're talking about locations. We're very weird this episode. She, Nicole, at least got to be in a park. Like, why wouldn't he share his at the same time? When I saw this scene, I was thinking, what is the rush to read the letter? I know. Like, did we have five minutes in the park and then we're going to the deli? Like, what was the filming day that you couldn't read one more letter there? Chris's letter reads, don't be afraid to stand up for what you believe in. Don't let anyone walk all over you. And trust me, it's not worth it. Talk with your dad about your relationship with him and tell your mom how bad the guy is she is dating. He is not worth the heartbreak. His letter wasn't too long, but it does go into his past and things that I think he is still working on. So, for example, his relationship with his dad, which seems like it's better right now than it has been for years. It's interesting. You're not a fan of the trauma bonding. I don't like when they match people based on trauma. And it seems it feels like not right. Yeah, and and it seems like Chris has experienced bad relationships, so he sort of has trauma around that, but also something that we're aware of now is even in his childhood there's sort of either maybe like verbal abuse mm -hmm. or you know, that's, you know, I'm not going to speculate, but just, you know, it, it's a tough upbringing. Well, definitely sounds like the boyfriend as well, didn't, I mean, was not a good person. Mm -hmm. They're sitting in the park and Nicole's letter reads, you stop gymnastics, your body is changing and you're going through a lot. You do not know best about everything. People will come into your life and I strongly suggest you not let them take advantage of you. You will meet a wonderful man in the future that will make it all worth it. You are worthy of love and respect. You grow up to be a fabulous woman. Everything will work out. It's very sweet. I mean, I think it was very reflective of what she has revealed so far of her childhood and how she has dealt with a really crappy ex-boyfriend and 
the way she felt shame from lying to her parents and sneaking around. And so it's kind of reflective of all of that in a letter. She's speaking to the camera at the end of this segment and she says, if this ends in heartbreak, it was all worth the happy days before. Isn't it's that, so sad. It, it, it is sad because... I want her to just enjoy it and stop waiting for the bad. Now, this is, this is interesting because, you know, as, as far as you know, Nicole could have multi-year long relationships in the past and they didn't turn out well. But this one month with Chris, in a sense, she's saying this one month with Chris was worth going through that heartache. It, it just shows like she's been through just just really down situations as far as relationships. Well, if we're talking about the guy with the cigarette, he definitely right. wasn't worth anything. Correct. Correct. Then we move on to the paint shop. One of the best filming locations in Math's history, truly. I think there is there are times in Math's where it's almost like what level of effort are we putting into this show? Because okay, for a filming location, I don't think I would ever ever pick a paint shop mind you i'm not talking like a creative thing like a creative painting session where we're drinking wine and like we end up creating this beautiful mural no this is like a paint shop we're gonna fucking paint our house i would have taken them actually painting a random person's house over just sitting there, in this there paint are shop. so many variations of painting body painting like any well, other you can't painting. be getting all sexy painting when you're talking about your child i hear trauma. you i hear you <laughs> But also, the man who hated working with his dad at his paint business, we're going to make him sit in a paint shop? Not great. Not great, guys. What is that? (laughs) Like, it might have, they might as well just stayed at the park. Why couldn't we have this conversation at the park? I don't know. Also, not everyone got to take their partner somewhere, or if they did, they didn't show it. So I don't feel like this one out the other low potential locations like give me eris at a beauty pageant <laughs> here here's another rub I've, I've seen with the show and you noticed it on the first watch we don't even get letters with clint and gina oh i know like, why why do we do that shack and kristen why, no why letters. do we give people from the experts the same fucking exercises but then we're doing this letter reading and only some of the couples do it at least from what we've shown yes speculation could be that it was cut because it was that dry it was that boring they're like you know what we're just gonna we're just not gonna put this on tv i did always like the letters though like the majority of couples would do them every season well, and i like the letters as well too because it again i call them like the characters on tv right the they're on the show we you know more about them mm-hmm. they become more real you get to see who they were as a child or get to know a little bit more about them I also think it's a really unique exercise that you really wouldn't do otherwise. You know what's wild? You might think this is corny. Just you know, the, for this speaking to all of you listening at home, watching this, you might think this is corny to write to your younger self. But just think about, just think about what you really would tell your younger self, and that shit gets deep. Okay, for a split second, I was going to ask if you wanted to do this at the end of the season, and then I said, no, no, no we don't need to cry on air. Gets, like. <laughs> I'm sure if I talked to my younger self, I would I would cry. I would yeah. cry and hug my younger self. Yeah. Like so we shit, don't, shit would get too deep. We're here to talk but, crap about other couples, yeah. not about the realities of our childhood. For sure. For <laughs> sure. 
So at the paint shop, Chris talks about his parents' relationships, how much it affected him, and specifically his relationship with his dad and how he didn't really like working with his dad. Nicole says this makes her understand why Chris is so adamant about making people feel special and loved and that she wants to be his safe space. Honestly, same. Okay, I can vibe with Chris on this. When I was younger, so my dad, he had like a regular like day job, Monday to Friday, but he was always like, not kind of like a side hustler, but it wasn't like corny shit. Like he just did like a landscaping business on the mm-hmm. side, which is, it's weird. Like now that's like his primary business, which is, which is crazy. But see, so grew from that hustle, but, but from like nine, I want to say like nine to 13, like it, it felt, I mean, as, a, as you know, thinking about it now, it felt like it was every weekend, but it, it wasn't, but, but it just seems that way now. Right. But it seemed like every weekend it was like doing something where it was like, uh, garbage pickup, cleaning up lawns, like just, just that maintenance work. And like, I'm talking, you know, kids Saturday morning, we're trying to watch TV, eat some cereal, <laughs> fucking sleep in chill. Buddies are coming at like 11, 12, going out. Like, no, no kids trying to wake up at like seven on the weekend to go do yard maintenance. No. So then I'm sure Chris now is like, man, fuck this paint job. Oh, he'll never paint again. And for me, I'm like, man, fuck this landscaping. Oh, my God. You making you do any yard work with me is like instant bad mood. Like we were just we were just uh, trimming some of the trees and it was like it was like a fucking chore, man. But we did it. But it was it took a lot. It it, it took a lot. I'm laughing so hard because it's like the most non-stressful thing. I quit and started cutting those trees like four times. Yes. And I was just like, just give it to me. Just I will I will cut them. Yeah. (laughs) But no, that's I'm sure he is not going to paint a house. He will hire someone to do it. And he is not. We all have our things. He will happily hire someone to paint it. His relationship with his dad does seem to be really improving. He got a really sweet text from him recently talking about how much he enjoyed Nicole, loved talking to her, loved hearing her answers, and it really brought them together. Later in the episode, we see Chris and Nicole have a very cute paint night. Nicole puts on a sticker mustache. They're joking about her being a 1930s villain that then turned into Italian villain. We saw it, guys. It happened. There was no... Chris saw this window of opportunity, and it was not going to pass him by. The impressions came out. It was a long time coming. Let's be honest. (laughs) It really was. We made it, what, four or five weeks? He held it in so long. Long time. Yeah. I wonder if a buddy pulled him aside and said, hey, maybe wait wait a little bit to do that. They're a great couple. It was great. Honestly. And it was so nice to see them have fun and just be lighthearted. And like Nicole was having the time of her life. She loved the impressions. And she does say on after party, like, oh, we just talk in impressions all the time to each other. Then we get very few scenes with Clint and Gina. The first scene we see of them together is Clint taking Gina to the soccer field. He talks about the pride he takes and how determined he was to learn the game and get good. You know, it's wild. Hmm. On Clint's intro, you kind of see he's all about sailing and maybe it wasn't sailing weather right now and they've already done the sailing, but you never got soccer out of that. I never got soccer out of the guy that says, you know, I love to take life head on. I love new adventures. I want to learn about myself. I'm a pilot. I'm a sailor. I'm all this. And then we ended up like at a soccer field. 
so in in certain cartoons or animation, this would be called uh, filler. And <laughs> Probably. it felt like filler. Like we need some Clint and Gina scenes. We have nothing. Get him a fucking soccer ball. Go kick it around. <laughs> talk to each other. There's nothing here, guys. There's nothing. Is there even a friendship? There Are was, they just putting on a good face? There was one line. There was one line when Gina said, I'm just glad we're both on the same page. I'm like, yes, this same page is, hey, we're going to be fucking friends. Excuse me, not fucking. We're going to be friends during <laughs> no this effing. process. We're getting to the end and we're both saying, no, get it, got it, good. Yeah, I, it's basically confirmed next episode when we talk to the, I am spacing on her name, but is she a intimacy expert, mm-hmm. like a sex therapist? And is it they say Dr. Pia? Yes. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I apologize if I got it wrong. So she's talking to them. They both agree there is no intimacy. They don't even really want intimacy to happen. Nothing. Do you have desires outside of each other? Absolutely. So are they fam? What week is this? It's not soon enough for them. Clint is like, absolutely. I'm waiting to get out of here. Do you know anyone? Give them my number. He's like, ma'am, I was getting it in two weeks before this show started. I am ready. So as random as the soccer field with Clint was, do you know what was not random? The hair salon with Gina. Guys nothing there's nothing here she doesn't know anyone outside of the salon and she doesn't do anything outside of the salon we literally can't escape the salon what was your doing we're all just girls in gina's salon (laughs) this is the reason we just talk so much shit about this like and clint's brought it up like us watching we just want to get to know who you are who are you outside of this business persona this hairstylist where are your friends outside of this world like what do you do i mean and clint's mom alluded to it like hey like those first first couple years like that's like all i did this that was my focus and i get that but it's just we still want to see more of the real gina and maybe the real gina is this is it that's that's who she is i mean very well could be Gina walks Clint around the beauty school and kind of gives him the background of why hair? Why go to school here? Why kind of do this big shift? We did learn one fun new fact. She was in broadcasting since she was 14 years old. That was interesting. Yeah. I went to school. Little Gina on a school radio? I would. Well, she said she went to college. I'm assuming got her bachelor's in broadcasting. Maybe. That would be a crazy, well, not crazy, but it. It's interesting to be so deep into one career path and then sort of this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. I need to, you know, I'm bartending. Like I want to do something else. But it's very good to find that out because you're going to be miserable every and, day. And relatively, you know, early in life. Yeah. Clint says that he admires her ability to shift and relates to his switch from being a pilot to going into tech. Very... I don't know if the comparison was needed. Like we could have stopped before that part, but that's all right. And <laughs> it's Clint. That's, that's not a crazy stretch. Inevitably, you're dealing with making things work, right? Systems. I agree, but it doesn't always have to go back to you. Oh, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. But I almost feel like he has to because Gina's giving nothing. So we're always well, going to no, talk no. about Clint. Clint needs to 
dominate the conversation because he knows if he lets Gina in, we're going right back to the salon. Cut to the next scene. The salon girls are coming over and we're going to talk about the salon and what Gina does at the salon. Wow. How many times do we need to meet up with the girls at the salon? We were at the salon. They've already been to the house as well. Now they're coming over again. Well, Gina's Gina's from Nashville, right? Mm, I didn't think so. I think she's been there a while, but I don't think she's from there. Mm. I don't think her childhood was there is what I mean. But see, look, even even in this scenario, you're just getting the perspective of Gina's coworkers the way they see her in work mode. Mm. But if we saw somebody that was Gina's friend outside of that environment, maybe we could know more detail or how they present themselves, how they interact with relationships when it's working, when it's not working. So to kind of switch things up a bit and to get off of the topic of the salon, Clint talks about how this lasagna will determine their marriage, which good for you. Pivot. Why did I immediately think of your mom's lasagna? Mom's lasagna is so good. So good. (laughs) And as soon as he said that, I was like, I mean, it's not your mom's lasagna. (laughs) I won't even order it anywhere because I'm like, it's not going to stand up. There's no point. No, I already have the best. It's fine. So Clint takes a bite. Silence falls over the room and he says, it's good. It's solid. And the marriage is saved for another day. I'm not buying it. Do you want to go into Airsoft now or after at the end? Let's do Airsoft now because I have some opinions. Oh, it's actually a great segment into our last two couples. Okay. We see Shaq, Kirsten, Eris, and and Jasmine, right? They're all going to Airsoft together. But here's the thing. I have never, (laughs) ever seen Airsoft like this. I had no idea what this was. So it's self loading i don't even want to call it arrows because they're pellets right well it was it was like a nerf arrow thing it was a nerf arrow but okay bow and arrow Th- whatever this looked it. like a toy you would buy it was so small at like target for like a seven-year-old it was disproportionately small for an adult okay why <laughs> when someone says air i just imagine like the soft pellets well no do you remember like what was it? Our nephew's 12th birthday party. You guys all went airsoft right. and it, no, you guys were going that, ham. <laughs> that, uh, is it like a liability thing? Are they like, no, I mean, we very can't. well could be. Those I mean, are pretty gnarly. You, you can get hit and then be a bruise or something. But I was like, this was so weak. I like, I have never seen something oh, like this. I would this. have loved to seen like Kirsten Why and they Jasmine paintball? like get into it. Oh, paintball I mean, would have been good. Paint was like a theme of the episode. Why didn't you just do oh, paintball? Why are you not a producer? <laughs> Like, what are we doing here? Sign Amazing. a waiver. You got to sign a waiver to go to these things anyways. To do anything. It's fine. That would, you're brilliant. That it, was it, the way to go. It was more awkward because just seeing the size of these adult humans holding these stupid little <laughs> bow things, it just looked ridiculous. Yeah. But I was like definitely cheering Jasmine on regardless. I Get your frustrations out, girl. Go after him. When we talked about this scene in the previous episode, we thought, are they going to another like destruction yeah. thing? And totally wrong. Makes sense now. Yeah, makes sense now. So Shaq and Jasmine were talking separately in a very set up producer driven scene. It was very like staged, even the way they were sitting, like felt unnatural. Sitting on the hood of a car and they're talking about their relationships. 
Jasmine talks about wanting to be hopeful that they can grow together and wants to be careful that she is true to herself. Shaq says that's really good. He questions what she wants out of this and then tells her that she is beautiful inside and out to just be herself and to walk in her truth. All wonderful advice. Jasmine asks how it's going with Shaq and Kirsten, and Shaq does open up and say it's a lot of expectation. Jasmine asks if it bothers him that he hasn't met her dad yet, and he does try to kind of dodge the question a little bit, and she said, basically, really, does it bother you? He says, yeah, it does. Do you want to get into that now or wait for their segment? Let's get into it now because it's just a continuing thing throughout the rest of the episode. Kirsten tried to mention in the after show of things came up. Her dad's, I don't know if he has a business, but Mm -hmm. he's busy. Um, So like just things haven't lined up to me. And, And I get that. People can get busy. Now, the devil's advocate to that is... This is your husband. Mm -hmm. From what we know or what we can tell, your dad wasn't at the wedding. Yeah. He didn't want to take the COVID test. So it was kind of his choice to not be there. He wasn't at the wedding, didn't want to take a test, whatever it may be. This, from what we can see, could be a working relationship. So this could be a long term. I mean, this could be your husband for life. Mm -hmm. It's been more than a month and your father has not met your husband. That just signals. I mean, man, it's like. It's just like bright, bright red lights. Okay, red but flags. here's the... I mean, I see what you're saying, and I do agree. It, I mean, of anything else she's saying, I gave her a hard time about the house thing, but of anything, this is the blaring red flag. This is, you don't want to incorporate him into any portion of your life because you don't even want him around your friends, let, let alone your parents. So, I mean, that just says volumes there of what you expect of this. But where I was going to go with that is, so her dad didn't go to her wedding. Can we assume they're maybe not as close? Maybe. So I want to give a tiny bit of grace there that like maybe, I mean, they don't have to tell us all their business, but maybe they really aren't that close. I see your point about it's almost like a defense tactic. Like, why would I integrate you into my family and get all these you know all these bonds created when i know what my decision is going to be Mm -hmm. at the end of this whole thing yep and kirsten tries to downplay it but it just builds on the evidence of how much effort are you really putting into this when in some ways or some actions it kind of feels like you're you're keeping i don't want to say distancing yourself but you're keeping an arm's length, you know, you're staying an arm's length away. It's all strategy. You're playing the game. You're looking good on camera. She always says great stuff. What she says sounds great. So I'll give her that. Then we see Eris and Kirsten sitting and talking together. And I immediately thought like, who's going to do the talking? Neither one of them want to talk. What are we going to talk about? (laughs) It was fine. the moment, the moment this is kicked off, I was thinking internally, who is going to lead this conversation? Who's going to be the first one to make eye contact? Are they both just going to be looking around the room? <laughs> it was a very normal conversation and Eris didn't have any problem keeping no, eye contact. No, to- totally fine. Totally fine conversation. This scene was very short, but Kirsten did open up about communication with Shaq, how the wires get crossed sometimes, how she tries to explain that they're almost on the same page. 
but things get mixed up a little bit. We start Eris and Jasmine's segment with Jasmine speaking to a friend that came over to the apartment. She's talking about married life and the roller coaster it is. Jasmine is telling her friend about how she doesn't open up for fear of how someone will react or how it will make them feel. And I think she's more aware of this than ever since she was so open in the beginning and it didn't get her anywhere. We've seen in the exchanges between Eris and Jasmine where at this point it seems like Eris is trying to make more of an effort to to open up, to be more vulnerable, but it seems like, you know, to Eris's fault, he did so much damage in the beginning of this relationship that Jasmine is like, do you think she can recover? Like, do you think she will turn it around as far as give that effort again? I think she can, but she is pretty close to being fully checked out right now. And I can't blame her. Like definitely can't blame her. Mm But if she does want it to work, like she is going to have to compromise and give in, which sucks because she already tried. And so she's going to be the one that has to decide, Okay, I will try again. Just just to counter that, even Eris saying I'm trying to be more vulnerable doesn't mean I'm trying to build a connection with you. Oh, you're totally right. You're totally right. Yeah. That just means I'm I'm doing the assignments. I'm going with the flow. Mm-hmm. I need to be more vulnerable. Okay, I'll do that. But it it like in his mind, I don't think that equates to like I have feelings for you now or Yeah. I think you're more attractive now. He's doing what he's told. That's probably it. Jasmine talks about how she just needs cue. Her attraction is based on how people treat her, about how they make her feel. And that's sort of dying right now. And I'm wondering if a lot of people call it like getting the ick where there's like, you can't come back from it. That person's just kind of like, you're done. You have no thoughts, feelings, anything Mm. for this person. I'm worried she's just about there. She does say that she feels they are good matches and compatible but that he is going to have to put in more work. And I fully agree. Eris says that he notices Jasmine is having a hard time opening up, so for his segment, he took her to a card shop. He's showing his collection of cards and how he would always keep them safe, always knew where they were. He might lose a pair of shoes or something, but he always knew where his cards were. Talking about past relationships, Eris says that... People will stay in relationships basically when they know they shouldn't. And he has never had that problem. He says he's immediately out of there, a relationship or a city. He just gets up and goes. And that has carried on to adulthood. This is interesting how in Jasmine's case, it was more of a, it seems like she had one major move in her, in her life, right? She was, I think, almost going into high school. There was a move Mm -hmm. and it seems like that was it. You know, as far as we know, that was it. But in Eris's case, probably in childhood and when he was an adult, there's just been a lot of movement. So for him, it's a lot easier to move on from things, move on from a location. Uh, in his case, also move on from a relationship. It's just interesting to see how they both, or, you know, one is viewed from Jasmine's eyes as a very negative thing. Whereas from Eris, he's like, well, that's just what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just used to. Yeah, if like I don't like this, I'm just gonna move on. Like Which I'm not gonna isn't stay great. here. It well, I mean, who's that's that's our opinion. 
Yeah. Like in his opinion, that's his best way to just to to live his life. And maybe that's not compatible with marriage. Maybe that's, it's just that's, not. And that's a totally fair opinion. I'm just I'm just saying is like from heir's heir's perspective, he could be thinking, I'm not into this. Why should I have like why should I keep going with this person? That's not fair to them either. Like mm-hmm. I'm just gonna end this. Yeah. And if you look at it that way, like that's more fair than just, well, I hate being in this relationship. Let me just drag this out that's until true. maybe that person lets me go and now they just hate me. You know, it just I can't knock him too much for that. But you can't always just run. Right. I mean, marriage is like commitment, ups and downs. And like, I'll that's always, true. That's I'll always true. go back to what he said of like, oh, someone will like make me be compi- committed, you know, being married. Someone will make me do this. But it's like, yeah, your track record of the going gets tough. You kind of bounce. So mm-hmm. is that true? His letter to himself reads, the confusion you feel at 12 won't last forever. The world is so much bigger than the city you live in. Continue to love your mother. She is a superhero. Forgive your father for passing away and leaving you. No one ever tells this to little black boys, but it's safe to talk about your feelings, even if you may come off as weak. It's okay to be you. Eris follows that up with talking about outside influences, how that can affect your life, and how it's important to kind of stay on the track that you need to be on. You don't have to do things to be cool, to impress people. He mentioned something interesting where the world is bigger than the city or town you live in. Mm-hmm. I remember being, being young, you always feel like, let's say middle school, right? The people that you go to middle school with, your friends there, mm-hmm. at that age, like that is your world. That yeah. is like the size or the scope of the world for you. And obviously, if you get bullied, you you know you get these feelings of, I'm always gonna get bullied, or like, why is it so down? But like, this is such a a speck of life yeah. that that in the long run means almost nothing, mm-hmm. like uh, nothing to to your overall prospects of life. One thing that actually was way more interesting, besides my little fancy spiel there, he says, forgive your father for passing away, mm-hmm. you know, early in, in a way, but his father was murdered. Like, I I think just as a kid, you're like, oh, my, it, he's just not here. But it's, it's interesting because I would imagine I would have this big sadness about losing a parent especially in that type of situation. And my hate would probably be more towards the, the person who committed the act. So I would have to work on forgiving them so I can move on in life, but I wouldn't have hate towards my parent. I, I get it. You could, because you're, you're missing that piece now, or, or you hate that you missed that piece of your life. I think it's just so circumstantial, especially with murder. That's so, mm-hmm. I know. And, and, it's and, violent. It's not something that you were expecting. It and, wasn't and an illness. The, even even talking through it now, I, I'm thinking to myself is like, who am I to like break down how someone should feel after like losing a parent? Right? Yeah, Everyone, it's just everyone's, so different. Everyone's going to feel just just differently. Yeah. Think of grief and how everyone goes through that differently, handles that differently. Part of that, I think. Yeah. When it's time for Jasmine to read her letter, she says that she wasn't trying to get emotional, so she kept it light. Her letter reads, You are a young girl who feels like she's on top of the world. You are about to make the biggest change of your life. Be ready for what's to come, as it will come as a shock. 
Stick it out. It will get better. You will be the complete opposite of the person they tried to make you. You will exceed some of your wildest dreams and you will be able to work in your passion. Believe you can and you're halfway there. I mean, overall, Jasmine's message seemed, for the most part, very positive. Exactly. Just regardless of all that she'd went through, it's worth it and she's happy with the woman she became. Do you think Eris feels some type of way of... Earlier on in the season, he thought she lived a very sheltered life, very boring, like you haven't done X, Y, and Z. Do you think in this moment it came back to him again or sort of not irked him, but just in a way, wow, this, this like you haven't been through life or like your life is so good. Like I, I felt that as she was reading this and Eris is listening, I'm like, I wonder if he's recollecting back to that moment where he's like, you need to like live or if he judges her for having such a nice life compared to what he had. And I wonder in some ways if that lack of struggle is actually a turnoff for Eris. See, I'm already going back to like who Eris is. And I keep, I, the first thing that comes to my mind is like, well, he would never have these conversations with anyone else even. So how would he even know that about these girls that he's trying to get with? I'm making real big jumps here. <laughs> real big assumptions. Hey, and that's, I mean, that's the reason we do the pod. I mean, this is just our opinions, what comes to us, our my our mindsets, hopefully a unique mindset, a unique perspective that people can maybe see one our side and, and hopefully either agree or disagree, which is totally fine. In the end, Eris says that they should copyright their letters and sell them because that's how good they are. She was like, that's so corny. <laughs> it was cute. It was cute, but Jasmine's reaction tells me that she reacts like that to a lot of what Eris says. I think all of it now. Jasmine and Eris are laying in bed and talking to each other. And Eris talks about reading a letter that his dad wrote his mom when Eris was a baby. I didn't write down a lot of the letter, but the themes were apologizing for past mistakes, wanting to be in Eris's life, loving Eris, being so lost without him and knowing if he's okay, wanting to be on good terms with his mother. I mean, really just trying to say, I'm sorry, I want another chance. I want to be in your life. And it was a beautifully written letter. I really, really love that Eris shared this with Jasmine. And I don't know, I felt like it was so sincere. And I can't say if I wasn't trying to build something deeper with someone. I mean, Bringing out a letter from your father that is no longer with you is, I feel like, a big deal. And I see what you mean about in Eris's past relationships, like, this isn't happening. Yeah, no. It's not even close. Like, no. he's not even getting to this point. This letter's not coming out. No one's even viewing this letter. Am I team Eris? It's, it's I, weird because it's hard. You, you, you want it to work. You're seeing Eris put in some work. And naturally, you're gravitating towards his side, especially because at the at this moment, rightfully so, we're seeing Jasmine just sort of in some ways checked out. And regardless, I can't blame her. And like, I can't. We, can't. we can't blame her. Now, let me clarify. I didn't mean Team Eris as in not Team Jasmine. I ride hard for Jasmine. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I see progress. I see hope. I'm already forgetting the bad parts. <laughs> Eris talks about how he hopes he has a son that, so that he can buy him a Mercedes when he's 16. He says he's going to get all the girls, and when Jasmine kind of laughs at that, he says he's going to look like me. 
So him in a Benz, that'll take it over the top. Sure. <laughs> One thing I thought was interesting with the letter is Jasmine asks, you know, what makes you want to read the letter? Like mm-hmm. what That's takes you back question. there? And he, I like, it's interesting. It's almost like moments that would make him miss his dad the most really puts him in that situation of, you know, I need to, I need to check back with my dad. Right. I need to, I need to hear his words. Exactly. I think it's so precious to have something like that, to have this beautiful memento from someone so close to you that you lost. And it's almost like a direct line, just a quick check in. Now a whole lot less serious of a segment. I had lots of thoughts, opinions, feelings on Shaq and Kirsten this week. Maybe some of them mm, too hot of takes. Maybe. I just don't know. Don't know what to think of them. Who is Kirsten? We are getting... Okay, so we... I'll allow you to kiss my forehead. Okay, we're going to get a little bit more intimate. Now, all of a sudden, I my love language is no longer like physical touch and these things she was trying to sell before. Now it is... What is it called? Like, not acts of service. It's gifts. Like, that's sure. her thing. They seem to be... They seem to be growing as a couple mm-hmm. in their interactions and interviews i mean they are very close to each other they're like cuddling during their little interviews exactly and i'm like okay this looks good it looks like it's going in the right direction but they always have these like i don't even want to call them blow up so they're almost just sort of like i guess poking at each other in a way Mm -hmm. and getting on each other's nerves and they they have these these discussions or disagreements and it's almost like they're not and Kirsten even mentions it with Eris is like, we're like kind of on the same page, but not really. But we're, we're like towing the line and it's like almost the same line, but they're not the same. She calls it those crossed wires. And yeah. So it's bring your husband to work day. And Kirsten is bringing Shaq to look at one of the houses that she's working on selling. Beautiful, huge house. She says that she for sure can see them living in a place like that. I liked that all throughout the beginning of this episode. There were so many crumbs dropped, so many hints, so many little things to get to what was eventually said. Like you were saying, there's all these beautiful moments with them together where they're holding hands or walking around the house. They're kind of like snuggled up together at one point talking to the camera. And I mean, they're going as far as, oh, I, you know, I can't, we would love to have all the kids up in here. We're having game night. We're having movie night. Their friends are going to come over. We're going to be like the fun house. Like, all that sounds amazing. But it's just something's there for me that isn't clicking. Oh, interesting. Even after that kind of conversation? Yeah. Oh. It's not clicking, but it sounds so good. And I can see the potential. And they look so good together. What, what it is, is this is what I think it is. You haven't seen enough strides from this couple to give that amount of weight to this kind of conversation. Like, it's not realistic. Yeah, it's... It's almost like a dream. It's really nice to talk about. But the actions that I've seen between you two, it doesn't show me that it's going to be a long-lasting relationship. So I can't really put any weight on this conversation. The actions are not at all relating to the words. They're sitting in the kitchen, they're hanging out, and Kirsten's doing the thing that all my realtor friends do. Can you see yourself buying a house soon? No, and I'm not selling mine soon. (laughs) Okay, real talk. Why did our realtor friends 
they became realtors and it was immediately like, hey, if you need a loan, hit me up. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to hit you up. Hey, what are you doing this weekend? I like just bought my house. I like just bought my house. Like, Oh, do you want to refinance? I'm like, dude, stop. (laughs) Do you know of anyone that wants to? I'm like, don't don't ask me how I'm doing just so you can like get this sell tactic in. But I digress. But that's the first thing I thought of. So Kirsten brings up that she wants Shaq to buy a home when his lease is up, which is in two, three months. Um, it takes. That's a lot. Kirsten, you're a realtor. You know, it takes time to buy a home. You got to submit paperwork. You got to get pre-approvals. It's a lot of paperwork. It's a lot of steps. I bet she would let him live at his, her place if he was buying a house though. Well, her place has no furniture, so his stuff would fit right in. (laughs) But I think, okay, I am on the side that. Part of me does think Kirsten was joking a little bit, but I think Shaq took it so direct and he He really, like I could feel it. Like he put so much stress on himself of like what, because in in, in a way he's thinking of like, well, this is what a man should provide. I see myself as a strong black man. Like I should be thinking like this and do this, but I'm not. So like I could, I could see it. Yeah. It was so clear. But also this is probably the only semi-tangible goal she has ever given this man to make a step in the relationship. She's never said, I need this to get closer to you. I need, it's been always really like vague goals, vague time points. So this is the only thing that's like A plus B equals C. Buy me a home no, and I'll no, allow you to I, live there. I agree. I agree. <laughs> so she says that she sees husbands do it all the time. And he says, have you been married before? Great response. Zing. (laughs) Or what did she say? It was like married people do it all the time. Right, right. I've seen it work. When he questions it a little bit more, she laughs and says, this is who I am. So I can honestly, in that last point, in the facial expression she made, I can see her not necessarily meaning it, but I don't take it as a joke. She's purposely pushing the boundary. She wants to see how he will react. Do I think it's 100% serious and this is her expectation? No, but I she's messing with him a little bit. She could have been fishing. Just testing out the waters? Just testing the waters. Okay, say she really hated him, which I don't think she does, but she's not necessarily attracted to him. If the response was, hell yeah, absolutely, that's my job to provide you. for you. I got you. Mm, that might sell her on Shaq a little bit more. This is an interesting vibe, though, because... At a hot market, you're a realtor. I'm assuming you're making pretty okay money. Mm-hmm. But your mindset is, I'm going to get a husband that buys everything for me. I'm like, well, then what are you doing with your money? Oh, it's very like, what's yours is mine and what's mine is mine. Right. Which is a little, it's not my thing. So, so the, the reason I don't, I'm not a fan is because in some ways you're, Picking and choosing between traditional gender roles to being a little bit more progressive. Like, for example, um, you know, a man taking care of the family, buying, you know, obviously being the breadwinner, like that's very traditional. But I can also turn around and say, well, yeah, it's also very traditional to kiss on your wedding. But that, <laughs> oh, but snap. That didn't happen. So I, you can't be like picking and choosing. Like, that's not cool either. Cause now you're just sending mixed signals. Yes, absolutely. I'm just saying. It, it's a lot of mixed signals in all areas. You you cracked it open. I got to keep it going. So 
mixed signals, but what I'm mostly picking is picking up is she wants that traditional household. She stays home with the kids. She takes care of the house. You cook all the meals. You, you know, the traditional role. He goes out to work, makes the money, pays the bills, gets you what you, what you and the family needs. But like in this scenario, we have a clear line of like what she expects from Shaq in a traditional role. But she in no way talks about what she's going to do in her role. And he doesn't put any expectation on her. What if he said, okay, you need to have my dinner ready when I come home? And she's going to say, absolutely not. But then she can say, well, you have to do this. This is what a man is supposed to do. I don't like that. You're real quiet over there. (laughs) Also, another thing, let's just go all in. If I'm paying 100% of a house that is all in my name, no one else's name is going on that. There are so many different types of relationships that work out there. So it's not trying to push anything on anyone. No, not at all. Like I always try to say like, if you want that, that's fine. That's not what I want. But if that's what you want, that's yeah. Just be happy. Yeah. Be happy, respectful, whatever for sure. works for you works for, for sure. you. The, the reason we were grilling or we are grilling Kirsten is because of the picking and choosing, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, oh, it's, I'm going to make, I'm going to use this when it's convenient for me. Yeah. And, and that's like, mm, not a fan of that. Not a fan. I think anyone would naturally feel a lot of pressure by a partner that you really want to make it work with saying, this is what you need to do. I mean, anyone. Oh, and true. And and this is why, even though Kirsten said she was joking, no way. Oh, I mm, think, I'll get into man, that. <laughs> Shaq really felt that pressure. Yes. Uh, to provide that for his family. Because I think he wants to. And, and I mean, to be fair, that is a really stressful position to be in. Is my story too deep? My reasoning that I give for never wanting to not have my own? No, I mean, in some ways, your side of it is you're protecting yourself. Like, mm-hmm. and again, I I want to say women, but really like people in a relationship, you should, I mean, like they say, like, you got to love yourself first. Like, you got to make sure you are safe before you can like save someone else. Yeah. It's same way. And you can even think about with finances, like you need to make sure you are okay. Don't get me wrong. I, I totally get what you're saying. And I, I back that up. Like you need to make sure you are okay. Yeah. You, you need to plan to just make sure you're, you're, you're going to be good. And Kirsten would be good in this situation anyway. She said it was going to be the deed is also going to be in her name, right. which is smart. Right. And I, I loved when Shaq was but like, I'm always going to go back and forth. But I love when Shaq was like, I'll give you a nice Honda, oh. Toyota. <laughs> yeah. He's like, are you trying to get like a new like BMW? Like, what are we talking here? She has a Benz right now, right? I, th- I think so. Yeah. So we're not. Yeah. Not doing that. So Kirsten is showing Shaq her childhood home, talking about how her dad provided for her, her siblings, and her mom, how she thought everything was great until the parents divorced, and things definitely changed after that. She always hoped that they would work it out, that they would be together forever, and it just didn't work out that way. I should know, I think a lot of people on Twitter, especially when they were going through these conversations, assumed... Kirsten legitimately meant like I expect a close to three million dollar home. I mean, that I, was kind of the. I didn't get that reading at all watching this. I mean, she took him to the million dollar home and was like, 
Yeah, but it's easy. It's easy to say like, yeah, I could see, like, yeah, I can see myself in a million dollars. I mean, I can afford it. And then in the end, towards the end of the episode, she backs it up. Was like, well, no, obviously we're going to get pre-qualified for a certain amount, and we're going to look at homes like in our range. It's almost like Kirsten probably does what we all love to do is like fantasy shop. Like, oh, yep, super modern home, ten million dollars, totally fucking buy that. You know what immediately comes to my mind? What's up? The five-bedroom house I tried to convince you to go in with me on. Hell no. <laughs> it was so big for no reason. Said, we don't need no. it. I was like, what are you putting in this house? I said, I'm going to sleep in a different room every night. You can come with me or not. I was like, we don't even have stuff for these rooms. <laughs> it, was a, it was a quirky house. Yeah, it was weird. Towards the end of the conversation about her childhood home and her upbringing, Kirsten does say... Speaking of providing, my dad provided for all of us. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Shaq does confirm that is something I want to do. It is my duty as a husband. I just need some patience, essentially. I need some grace in this. Kirsten's response is, well, no one had to tell my dad. You, so, know, I'll be, you know, I'll be honest. Some, some folks, man, they're just trailblazers. They just, they're just ahead of the game. Are we calling Kirsten a trailblazer? No, her dad. Oh, I was or, or just, like, what are we no, doing with this? No, it's just, I, I think back even our parents in their young age of what they were doing, where they were moving, like what they were giving up. It was like, wow, to make these decisions from like age 19 to like 24, like is wild, is wild to me. My parents at 17, 18, 19 were so much more of an adult than I am at 30. Like, <laughs> like so much. It's, it's wild. I mean, my, my dad was moving like different states like at 19. 20. I was like, what? It, with kiddos? Like, like having, like, uh, having, I was like, married, what? Having kiddos. kids. I was like, I think about myself at 19. 20, I'm like, hell no. I'm we're like, terrified to have children at 30. Like, I'm like no. <laughs> it's, uh, we're the softer generation. <laughs> And, you know, honestly, I would say it's not fair for Kirsten to compare her dad with Shaq. No. And have that be the expectation. It's not. And it, okay, from a woman perspective, I'm assuming Kirsten's dad was a great influence in her life. Okay. So you're holding this very important man in your life to also that standard to arguably the first great man of your life. So, I mean, I can understand it, but do I think it's fair? Not necessarily. It's a totally different person with a totally different life. And being on Married at First Sight is its own beast. And And Shaq alludes to it. Like, if that is your perspective, like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Like, if if that's what you're going to do, like, just be upfront about it. And, like, this isn't going to work. She walks it back a little later. Then Shaq and Kirsten meet up with Shaq's godmother and godsister. They traveled from Mississippi and Georgia for this scene. That's love. Okay. They had to note that because they made that trip. And do we know where Kirsten's dad lives? Oh, I didn't make that connection. Well, he hasn't even met her friends. And she, I'm, they're I'm in just, Nashville. I'm just saying. Great point. Didn't even catch that. Is her that. dad in Nashville? I think so, yeah. Because his shop, this she said, family like, traveled across state lines yeah. for this meetup. Yeah, a few states. And I can't meet your dad? She said she didn't want it to be like while her dad was working. And they did talk on the phone. So baby steps. 
they're looking at old pictures together and mention how Shaq is the youngest, but honestly, he's the oldest. I, I like this sit down. I mean, it was breaking down how Shaq essentially organizes the family, maintains mm-hmm. tradition, uh, you know, keeps everyone around for the holidays, assigns duties and holidays of like what we're going to do. What are you going to bring? Creates traditions. Creates traditions to some extent. Christmas breakfast mm-hmm. and what color is everyone going to wear and what are we doing but for see, Mother's Day? But see, this this is why we need this kind of stuff with Gina. Like I just knew so much more about who Shaq is as a person Mm -hmm. and like who, what, what did he do before mass? Like who was he? How does he interact with his family? I learned so much in this little sit down. I just want that for Gina. Hell, and kind of like with Clinton, like, cause I feel like in some ways, like I really kind of don't see much of Clint either because they just have, yeah, we don't see anything. They just have so few scenes. Kirsten asks, with him being so busy, how does that play into our marriage? His godmother says, just make sure you show up, be present, and be by his side. Good, solid advice, sweet advice. Everyone loves when their spouse supports them. If Mm -hmm. you're not doing anything else but being there during their moment, that means so much. We end the episode with Kirsten and Shaq eating in the apartment. Kristen asked Shaq how the conversation went with Jasmine and they talked about expectations and kind of that conversation that was brought up. And Kristen says, I don't think those are high expectations. Shaq begins to call Kirsten out, says, you don't ever want to have a conversation, but I need to have this conversation quickly sets that boundary. Like I have to talk about this right now. As soon as he starts mentioning the issues he's having, she says, Oh, I'm just joking. No, you're not. Mm. You're doing... No, everyone does this. No, no, no. We have all done this. You push that boundary a little too much. The person reacted a little too much. And you're, oh, it's a joke now. This is what I mean where you could feel how pressured Shaq was. So Mm -hmm. So much so that he... I mean, this is the most, um, I think, forceful we've seen him in a conversation as far as like... I don't care what we have going on. Like, I need to talk about this. Yeah. It was weighing on him a lot. And I don't like the term of, I don't think that's unreasonable. Again, like everyone is different. Yeah. There's no give and take here. It's not like, hey, this is my expectation because of this. How do you feel about that? Do you have anything you need from me that would be like that? It's just, this is what you're going to do. I mean, going back to my point, Shaq could say, well, I expected a kiss at my marriage. Yeah. Didn't happen. Yeah. I kind of wish he uh, gave Kirsten back a little bit of what she gave him on the honeymoon and says, I think you joke too much. No. I was waiting for it. It no, was the true. perfect setup. It's true. She says that like, oh, it was a joke. But then she follows that up with, well, I know men that buy their wives houses. Like we're again, we're always back and forth. There's nothing that's ever clear. He asks, do you want to be married to them? And that's when she says, like, I'm not going to get crazy with you. Like, instantly, it's then we're taking it up a notch. But when when you mention something like that, what is your husband supposed to feel? Like, yeah, oh, it's I, not a I guess, great thing. I guess I'm not as good as those guys. Thanks. <laughs> exactly. Or I think making expectations known in a relationship is super important. So everyone knows where everyone is at. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be like a conversation about that and compromise if the person isn't a hundred percent on board and also Shaq doesn't seem like he's not on board for that he says yeah I would love to do that sounds great like as a man that's my job 
I think he just wants a little bit more grace and to just have a conversation about it versus being told this is how it will be. He tells her that she's so quick to end the conversation, this conversation he needs to have. And she says, don't worry about it. We're going to be great with a little closed mouth smile. That was the episode. (laughs) That was. So are you feeling better or worse for Kirsten and Shaq? Oh, I'm in the same spot. I don't. The target's always moving. What are we doing this week? What are we doing next week? It's just there's always something else and it never feels genuine. Well, I think from what I've seen, it seems like their relationship is progressing. I just it's really hard for me to ever imagine both of these folks saying yes. Yeah, I just I just can't see that. I could see a yes, but uh, not lasting. Next week, we will see the couples meet with Dr. Pia and also do intimacy exercises. Lots of tying up and various toys and whips and lots of things. Dice game. They've done the embracing before. I can't wait to see Clint and Gina do any of these exercises, no matter how little it is. Just anything that they have to touch a finger. It's going to be... I envision this being extremely awkward. Yeah, just neither of them want to be there. (laughs) Anything else this week? No, thank you all for tuning in. If you are a part of the March Madness pool, make sure to check out our latest NCAA March Madness episode. We're getting down to the last few episodes and it's getting exciting. So people are starting to break away. Amazing comebacks. So check that out and we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Have a good weekend.